This is Hope FM. Uh, well, my very special guest uh, today is somebody who uh, is the senior leader of Lansdowne Church uh, right here in Bournemouth. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Blair. Good to be with you today. Now, Peter, it's almost, I can't believe it's almost 12 months since all of these COVID <laughs> challenges. In your wildest dreams, did you ever think that here we would be, because we have talked all the way through lockdown and diff- at different yeah, times yeah, and yeah. so on. Did you imagine that it, that it would be spun out this long? No, I didn't. I mean, I, you're right. You and I talked in this kind of community um, a program probably six eight months ago and I thought then okay we've got to manage the next few months and we should be clear and uh, so you feel like you're being taken up a hill to victory and then you have to crawl way back down again you start all over um, so fr- from a church hospital point of view uh, we tried to manage Christmas we thought we would have a new possibility of, of you know opening up with a new vaccine with the vaccine coming online but then the new variant kicks in and yeah so sustaining this Blair over Week uh, after week after week, I think it's one of the most difficult times in my personal ministry, and certainly for many of the people in Lansdowne. These are these are demanding days and weeks. The people in the NHS, the people who are teaching, uh, people homeschooling. You just need resilience and courage and bravery to keep on keeping on. But that's a tough call. How have you found things church-wise? I mean, obviously, many of us have, have discovered the delights of, of Zoom and Microsoft uh, uh, and all the various <laughs> meetings electronically that we can now do. And I know, of course, you've been, yeah. you've been webcasting your services. Thinking, yeah. thinking positively, I mean, what, is, what has positively come out of, of those experiences? Have you learned, for example, new things about technology that, that you would never have known otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you know, I'm a bit of a later doctor. Uh, I mean, I didn't have a mobile phone until I was 40, and that was, that's what, nearly 20 years ago now. So, so I had to catch up. Although I've got a background in broadcasting, it's not been the technical background. It's simply been, you know, I've been the, the voice behind behind the microphone. Um, that's all. So, so I've had to learn very fast how to do things like Google Hangouts and, uh, and, and Microsoft Teams and, and all of this. And, and yeah, no, I, I mean, I've been recording myself at home for, for our, our, our webcasting services, as you talked about them. It, it's, a, it's a steep learning curve for me, Blair, uh, uh, and for my wife, too. Um, so, yes, uh, I, I've learned some new skills. Uh, I'm leaning very hard on other people for their help as well. So, so I'm glad that in Lansdowne we've got quite a good IT and media team that that help that help deliver the programs. But 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 we've learned those kinds of things. Yes, I think we've also learned how important it is to still try and get some uh, physical connection points. So we've encouraged people to go for prayer walks with with friends one to one, remaining you know socially distant and all of that. Uh, we we've, we've tried to set up a path care system that, that deals with the people, and there are quite a lot in Lansdowne, who haven't got internet access, who are not kind of computer savvy, mm. and get everything uh, either on the TV or, or, or like this this morning on radio, which, which are great uh, vehicles for, for communicating. So we've been trying to help people like that manage their isolation which is far more severe than those of us who can actually enjoy a Zoom screen uh, with, you know, 50 people on the screen and, and all of that. So, so, yes, there are groups of people who I think have particularly found it hard, and we're, we're learning how to help them. We set up kind of, you know, food distribution points for people as well who are particularly under economic pressure. We, we run food banks in, in Lansdowne. So, 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 yeah, there are some really good things that have come out of this. I think one of the things... 
right? So it's encouraged people to think about their neighborhood, their community, literally where they live. I mean, Langdon being a big church, people come in from all all corners of BCP. Um, and actually, our mission gathers people to town center, but, but encourages people to live and speak for Jesus where they are, you know, in, in, in Ringwood or Verwood or Ferndown or, 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 or wherever. So, so I think we've been encouraging people to, uh, to work through what it means to be local as well as, you know, um, town center. And of course, the the other thing that has really come to the fore is people volunteering in all sorts of different ways. I guess both in in church life, but also you know within the broader community. I th- I know that over three thousand people at the moment have volunteered to help in the vaccination centres and so on. Because obviously, mm-hmm. there's large mm-hmm. number. That's that's such an encouraging thing. Seeing people step up to the plate, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, in, in Lansdowne, we've had a number of people who have gone back into some sort of you know, nursing or, or health care uh, worker role. Having retired, they had a little bit of training and they joined the, the, the vaccinators. Um, we've had other people who have, who have decided, you know, to, to, to stop work literally in order to help their kids uh, through, through these difficult uh, times of schooling. So, yes, people have responded practically and some of them have significantly changed their their work-life balance in order to manage the pressure points that they're under. Well, let's have your first uh, piece of music, uh, which is uh, uh, Who Has Held from uh, Blue Tree. Uh, why, why this one, Peter? Oh, well, I, I think right now uh, we all need to know that, that although it seems chaos and confusion, God reigns. There is someone in control of all of this. And so this wonderful um, song of praise t- tells us that um, the oceans are held in God's hands. And then a wonderful point, point in, in the song where this God who holds the, the, the oceans in his hands at one point in, in, in history held the, the nails in his hands on the cross. And so he, he's the God of, of power and magic and glory and control of, of nations and movements and pandemics. He's also the God of grace and love and mercy as he comes into our world and hangs on a cross and holds the, 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 those nails in his hands. It's just a wonderful sort of picture of, of the God of power and the God of, of, of gentle humility and grace and love. Well, that's uh, Jason Crabb there, and just as I am, my very special guest is is Peter. Peter, obviously, uh, today we celebrate the the terrible loss of life uh, in the Holocaust. Over six million people annihilated during mm. that time, and of course, we're also uh, thinking about the the terrible loss of life because of the of the virus itself. Over a hundred thousand people so far Uh, it Mm. it must be in these dark times uh, what hope can we bring uh, to people that there there is actually hope out there particularly those who maybe have lost loved ones close to them yes well obviously the pastor involved in in uh, taking things like funerals and bereavement cancelling losing people in a in in a pandemic in a context such as we're living through right now seems to be 
very, very demanding for for many of us. I was I was on a walk uh, two days ago and, and 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 bumped into somebody from Lansdowne who was on their run. They're, they're involved in a marathon in a in a month's time. And, and this particular lady uh, is a Macmillan uh, cancer nurse, and she was telling me how in the first wave back in April she was having to help relatives say goodbye to their loved ones via an iPad. That was the only possibility uh, that they had of, of any connection. So dealing with people who've had to say farewell to those that they love um, in that situation has been a real, a real challenge for, for us pastorally. We've had several funerals um, in, in recent months that have had to kind of like cope with the COVID restrictions. It's been difficult not being able to sing in, in, a, in, in a service. Um, many, many practical ways in which this pandemic has impacted my own role as a pastor in a, in a grief context. But of course, we do have the good news of Jesus to offer people, the, the hope of resurrection and life in, in him as we trust him. So, so as a Christian uh, a minister, I'm able to offer that hope to everyone immediately. Um, but of course, you've got to walk through grief. It's not a kind of a quick fix, uh, the, the, the truth that we have in Jesus. It's not, a, it's not a, a pill that people can swallow and suddenly everything becomes better for them. Uh, so so we, we, you know, we, have, we have people, especially in, in ministry here, who actually do spend time in, in bereavement counseling with individuals who will, who, who will walk them through the journey of their grief, uh, especially uh, right now um, in, this, in this COVID uh, context. I, I, for me, Blair, one of the challenges of the last six months has been dealing with people in different grieving contexts. So, for example, I, I, the, other, the, the other month, uh, I was able to be involved in the funeral Thanksgiving service for the then oldest living person in Britain, a lady called Joan Hockhart, and uh, I was taking her service one day. The following day, I then had a, a, a burial service for a child who, who died in the womb, and, and the parents wanted to, to mark that with dignity and respect. And so this 112-year-old uh, lady on the one hand who'd passed away, and then this, this, this young family grieving the loss of a, a little baby, uh, it was, it, that, that's the kind of pressure that, 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 that people uh, are, are under right now, dealing with these, these extremes of, of grief. So on the, on, on, on the one hand, the family of, of Joan Hockard, 112 years, in, in a way, it was just a wonderful, glorious send-off for her. But for this other family in the church, this little one who'd, who'd been lost um, in the womb, that, that was, oh, I have to say, that was one of the most painful and difficult experiences. We stood in silence. That's all we could do by the, by, by the graveside as we lowered the little coffin into the ground. So those are pastoral experiences, Blair. But, but I guess for, for, for many other people, um, without hope, without Christian hope, I mean, it must be an extraordinarily difficult time. I think of, I mean, obviously the, the pain of death is something that we, we all have to encounter. Although I've, I often say to people, having experienced myself loss of my, my parents, my brother when he was in his 40s and so on, that, that, mm. but I don't know whether you find that, the, that once you get over that, that pain, and it, it, does, it doesn't ever go away, but it does lessen, that's been my experience anyway, but but when I turn my mind to think about the ones who have been close to me who aren't here anymore, uh, then it's as if they're alive, in, you know, in in my thoughts and and my oftentimes my thoughts are able to turn to joy for the time that I that I did have. I know that some people don't don't find it that easy because 
we we deal with grief in very different ways but but actually the, the remembrance of, of of the joy and the blessing that we've had is an important thing isn't it sure i mean there are stages on there in 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 our grief uh, for many people initially it's it's almost denial this is not happening to me then it's maybe anger a sense of profound uh, disappointment with the way that the world now is as people grapple with the, the, the sense of loss, the sense of missing their, their loved ones. But, but, but there are stages out of that. Um, you, they, they say that you never, you, you never entirely stop grieving, but your grieving becomes somehow colored and shaped by a different landscape. And you're right when you say there are things that you can do actively to remember your loved one, which, which helps the, the, the contribution they made to your life, the way that they... Uh, the, 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 the hole in the universe that only they can fill, that you now fill with memories of them. I think, I think actively we can do those sorts of things. We can call to mind what it was about them that, that made us smile or laugh or sometimes even be, be sad. What was their human contribution to our life story? I think those are, those are important. I, someone gave me a, a little rainbow the other day because for them, as they deal with the grief in the loss of loved ones for them that they like to think about the rainbow in the sky and we've seen some amazing rainbows actually in the last month here in bournemouth and whenever they see a rainbow or look at that rainbow that they've cut out in their home it reminds them of of their loved one that they've lost but also it reminds them of the love of god to them who promises never to leave or forsake them and i think that kind of practical symbol is is, is actually quite helpful of course when we when we then turn our attention to things like the holocaust which is just a senseless genocide i suppose that we ask ourselves the question you know could that ever happen again and the sad reality peter is that it probably could couldn't it well the sad reality is that is that there's an evil that looks in the heart of, of human nature, and you see it manifest, don't you? In other kinds of genocide, you know, the Hutu-Tutsi uh, problems in Rwanda. You, you saw it in, 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 the, in the Serbian Bosnia uh, crisis uh, about, what, 15, 20 years ago. So, so, so these things are still current. The, the reality that we live in a world where, where evil can stalk in the hearts of people to the extent that they think that someone should be exterminated just because of who they are. That fear and hatred and prejudice, it's a, it's a very real thing. So, so yes, we're, we're living in a world that is so broken in which oppression and injustice can be a very heavy burden that many, many, many are carrying. Uh, we've lost, what, as you say, 100,000 people in the UK through this pandemic. I don't know what it is now globally. It's probably, I think, about a million, million people. But compare that with, what, six Six million who who were lost in the Holocaust. I'm not comparing numbers, saying any one death is is more more important or significant than another death. I'm just saying that in proportional terms, um, the loss of life during the Holocaust, the Second World War, and then think of the First World War, the people who lost their lives on the Battle of the Somme. I mean, and in history, looking back over the general centuries. The people who, through the Black Plagues in the, in the Middle Ages here in, in, in Europe, a, virtually a third of the entire population of Europe was lost to the Black Plague. So, so we're living in a world that's clearly needing to be fixed. And the great hope of the Christian message is that there's a, there's a world on the way, the new creation. It's coming with the kingdom of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And we're all longing for that day. And every time I, I, I see 
just an individual person pass away and a family suffer grief. Anytime I look at the sheer scale of the death and destruction caused by the Holocaust and now this pandemic, I... I like every Christian, my heart longs for the day when, when, when Christ returns and he sets up his kingdom of righteousness and justice, when God wipes away all tears from our eyes. That's our hope as believers. And in the meantime, we get alongside people who are suffering. We help those who are grieving and lonely. We don't wait for that future. We live out the joy and the, and the reality of the future in the present by being what we can be as God's signals and signposts of, of hope. But boy, oh boy, Blair, this world of ours needs saving and, and and the great christian affirmation is that one day uh, that kingdom of god will come and uh, uh, we our mourning will be over uh, and evil will be vanquished forever that that surely is what we hold on to as believers right now this is hope fm well my very special guest uh, today is peter baker and uh, well you've got some exciting things in in the future because people will know that you've got the new church building you've you've had a few temporary delays and a bit of frustration but the end is in sight is it peter I think it is. You're right about the frustration and delay. We've been three or four years getting this building across the line. But actually, this week is a really good week for us in Lansdowne, in that on Saturday, uh, gone, we had what we call a virtual tour. We had hoped to take people up to see the new building, which is now about six months away from actual completion. We're hoping to open in the summer. Uh, so last Saturday, the idea had been to take people around it, show people what's been done and, and, and the progress. But of course, <laughs> COVID makes that impossible. So we had a virtual tour. We had about, I don't know, uh, 200 uh, screens uh, where people were watching um, a, a video a recording of, uh, of someone looking at all the rooms, all the sp- the auditorium, the media suite, the sports hall, and uh, they were able to listen to commentary from the people who were putting the building project together and then ask questions. That was quite an interesting interactive thing. Then in the afternoon, I went around the BH1 patch near where we are in Lansdowne Road and and, and videoed uh, live people on on what we call our prayer Zoom room. So I went past... um, uh, the Shabbat, talking about uh, the, the Holocaust and the Jewish community. I went past the Shabbat opposite the, the new Lansdowne, the student accommodation blocks there, and uh, the new uh, academy school being built, and just showed people how strategic the area is of, of, of Bournemouth, that the new Lansdowne will appear. And this coming uh, weekend, we're having our final, what we hope will be our final gift day for fit-out cost furnishings, fixtures, audiovisual equipment, hoping to raise about £230,000 for that. And uh, so this week is a really key week for us. And it should mean, by the grace of God, that we'll be ready to open that wonderful facility uh, sometime during the summer uh, um, in about six months' time. So all of that is good news, but it's been, as you say, a very long and frustrating time for us. Now, of course, the Lansdowne area, where where the church is, is very much a, a, a redevelopment area because obviously you, you're going to be surrounded by, by students and by business units and so on. So I guess that that, yes. that will give you another uh, almost immediate mission field for the, yes. you know, to, 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 to be serving. You're so right. I mean, within the time frame of the last four years since we've been mainly at Woodbury Avenue, um, serving the Stroudon community, uh, yeah, all this inward investment from the council and from the university has seen these tower blocks gone up, accommodation blocks for students, new businesses moving in the area. It's being massively invested in by, by the council. So we're looking at the mission field uh, with various communities that we're going to have 
students amongst them, tourists, commerce, offices. It's an exciting time for us in the next six months as we mobilize our troops to get ready for this kind of once-in-a-lifetime change of a generation from the old lands down to the new. And I I think uh, I'm really hopeful that we'll see God massively at work uh, amongst the community. Uh, there in, in BH1. How many people will your new auditorium hold? Well, uh, our last seat count, about 750 uh, in, in the main auditorium, upstairs, downstairs, a lovely intimate theatre environment, and then we've got about 100 in another um, chapel, small chapel, and we've got a, a large sports hall as well, and, and I think it'll be a great conference venue, actually. Um, it'll probably take, you know, a good 1,500 in those various rooms with live feeds. So a lot of space, and, and there's a lovely roof terrace too, actually, Blair. You can see, see the sea from, from the third floor up uh, of the building. If you stand on tiptoe, that is, uh, <laughs> you can just about glimpse the sea. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful facility. It's been a long time in, in the making, mind. I, I suspect if, long before my time there were people uh, wanting to see a new building on the Lansdowne um, uh, site. And uh, 20, 30 years ago, they began to dream, and it's taken this long for the dream to be realized. It reminds me of that prophet, you know, the word tarry, wait for it, (laughs) in terms of vision. Yes, that's right. Habakkuk himself, that's right. Will come, just wait for it, wait for it. Peter, thank you so much. Oh, just to say that if if other people wanted to have a virtual look at at what's going on, can they do that? Yeah, they can. Go to our website. It's all on YouTube, as these things often are. Go to our website. Um, you'll see it on the front homepage, I imagine, as news item. And, yeah, you can enjoy, enjoy the virtual tour and the commentary that goes with it and the exchange of questions during that time. So, yes, very good to do that. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts, and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.